What is up, Holy Fam? The Pod Warriors are back on the attack with the sixth edition of the Pod Warriors podcast. Again, this is the special spinoff of the Chick Foley show where me and the fig god Jordan Wells go deep on one topic of choice. Tonight, we are going to be talking about the Mount Rushmore of Nintendo 64 wrestling games, the THQ, a.k.i. WCW NWO World Tour. WCW NWO Revenge, WrestleMania 2000, and WWF No Mercy. Before we get into that, though, I got to start by introducing my main man, my best friend, the fig god, Jordan Wells. Jordan, what's up? Man, I am ready to do this. This is uh, this has been in the making for two months, for those of you that don't know, which why would you know this? Um, but yeah, man, this is, uh, is going to be definitely looking back at our childhood, so I'm excited to do it with you, and yeah, it's going to be fun. This one was kind of Jordan's baby, man. Like Jordan has been badgering me about doing a show on these games. Like we kind of, you know, we brainstorm on topics. I'm like, you know, we could do like best WrestleMania rematches. He's like, no, N64 wrestling games. I'm like, best wrestling figures from the 80s. No, N64 wrestling games. I'm like, hey, dude, maybe we could do like some, you know, instant live reviews of the pay-per-views. And he's just like, fuck no. Let's do these N64 wrestling games. Maybe you could shut the fuck up and just listen to what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) let's get our uh, housekeeping out of the way with some plug skis want to remind you guys to follow the the true star of the chick foley show my wife sheena chick foley herself at chick foley on instagram and you can join the premium foley fam at chickfoley.com. just hit the patreon link there there's a ton of fun in the facebook group every week we're doing special events all the time in addition to just the uh the communal fig hunting that's going on we know those new legends are about to drop, so we got to go for those. Which one of those are you like most hyped for, Jordan, out of the new legend series? Um, I really like the cane. I think the cane is really good out of this. But I mean, dude, anytime it's a chase figure, you got to be excited about the chase. So Luger for sure. Yeah, the cane is cool. Kane's one of those guys, kind of like um, you know, like a Booker T or like a Seth Rollins that they really don't have a bad figure for whatever reason. They're just super toyetic, and every figure's cool. The new Kane's really nice. I'm kind of in the boat, though, where I'm like, why would I really need this? You know, the Ultimate Edition Kane was so good. I feel like I barely really need another Kane after that one. Um, but, yeah, the, it's definitely the Luger for me. I want the Wolfpack, and I want the old school with the orange trunks, uh, kind of like the late 80s Lex Luger. So those should be hitting target pretty soon. Again, we know you know the Pod Wars is always pretty much evergreen content, but it is July 15th, 2022, as we record this. So... Uh, you know, I know we're kind of dating ourselves a little bit talking about the Legends line. But yeah, join up the Premium Foley fam. It's a ton of fun. And we want to remind you guys to use code Chick Foley to save 10% on all your figure purchases at Ringside Collectibles. And use code PF10 to save 10% on all your merch at Chalkline. And that is courtesy of the Pod Foundation. Our friends at the Extra Cooler Show, Turnbuckle Tavern, and Coming Down the Aisle. Um, Jordan, you got anything you need to get off your chest before we get into this? Um, well, I feel like we should address the elephant in the room. This is the second time me and Seth are recording this. So, uh, <laughs> I know he wasn't going to address it, so I might as well bring it up. So Seth completely yeah. botched it. <laughs> I think Jordan botched it, man. We, we had no, a little bit of the technical no, difficulty. No. This is the, uh, there's been times in the history of the Chick Foley show, you know, you never... 
everybody thinks it's easy to do a podcast, right? And it is easy to get started. You could literally use the mic on your laptop or your iPhone's headphones if you want, if you're not too worried about audio. And it takes about 35 minutes to set up all the online architecture to get your podcast out there. But to keep doing it week after week for, you know, we're coming up on four years we've been doing this damn thing. Um there's a lot of technical difficulties and headaches that come up, just little shit, you know. And it's been times before where, you know, we've had to re-record like the last 20 minutes or, you know, just a certain segment of a podcast, right? We've done that before, right, Jordan? Oh, yeah, 100%. I but think this we, was the first time that we... I think we had to record a, a full podcast again one time with everybody. Somebody had issues. Oh, uh, I think somebody's uh, audio didn't upload, so we had to do it again. Yeah, we've we've had this issue before, but yeah, basically, uh, my audio just came through garbled last week, and the you know the Pod Warriors is like the HBO man of the Chick Foley show. Like there are the regular shows, like what you're gonna find on you know NBC or whatever on network TV. This is like your premium uh, television, so we cannot drop this with any type of subpar audio for you guys. So we're re-recording the whole thing. Um, we got a few. We're we're gonna do a different take on it, so it's not like we're going back and you know going word for word what we did the first time. Um, so, but yeah, this is, that's how dedicated we are to this topic in this show. We're basically doing this whole podcast from scratch. It's going to be great. That's all I had. So let's, let's roll. (laughs) All right. So again, going back to the intro, you guys heard me. We're talking about four games in particular, um, the two WCW games and the two WWF games, which were developed by THQ and AKI on the Nintendo 64 uh, you know, these games came out really at the height of the industry. These were the most beloved wrestling games ever made, and they came out at the hottest time in wrestling during the Attitude Era slash Monday Night Wars. You know, during the, you know, you had the boom in the 80s, but back then NES was really the only game in town, and it was just extremely limited what you could do for for video games. Do you remember any of the uh, the NES games, Jordan? I remember some of them. I just don't, it wasn't one of them just WrestleMania or something. I I mean, the games were not good. Obviously, only had two buttons, so we worked. They were horrible, man. Yeah, we worked with what we had, but they're definitely not good. Yeah, the the games, the the wrestling games that came out on NES were basically like a cunt hair better than those little electronic handheld games you would get that just had like the green background and stuff. You know, that's really the like the level of gameplay you had. You had a couple. You had a little sprite of a graphic that maybe if you squinted hard enough resembled the wrestler you selected, and there was no signature moves. so really, you know, Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo had some solid games, mm-hmm. but it was really the N64 that we really kind of got our first truly immersive wrestling experience. The gameplay was super simple. It really consisted of strong and weak strikes and strong and weak grapples. And so you had kind of like a paper, rock, scissors system going on whenever you were going for uh, for moves against your opponent. Um, kind of what do you remember about the gameplay that just really kind of drew you to these games, Jordan? So... I just remember because I mean the N sixty four controller itself is unique. So I just remember these games coming out and um, yeah, just the the grappling system and stuff. Just how cool it was. Like I mean, each time it was a, it was a different move depending on whether you hit up or down on the D pad. Um, yeah, man, I, I I love this these games. This is to me this is by far the greatest era era of video games. These four games we're talking about. Um, and I don't think it's personally debatable, but whatever debate, whoever you want, that's why we're here to talk about this. So, um, yeah, it, these games were just so much fun. And I just remember being so hyped when these came out. And then, um, as we move along, we'll talk about each game, but yeah, man, 
I, I love the N64 system and everything about these games. So, And the gameplay mechanics and control scheme was just so simple and so perfect that it really didn't change across the four games. Like I would say between the first one we're going to talk about, um, you know, World Tour, all the way through No Mercy, the gameplay really stayed about 95% the same. Like they would refine it and they'd add new game modes, but the actual like core gameplay um, stayed the same. And I think that really helped out with the pickup and play factor, you know, like just think about um, like WWE 2K22. Imagine somebody that hasn't played wrestling games in a while or is not a big gamer. Imagine trying to explain that control scheme to them. Yeah, yeah, that that was by far the best thing about this. I mean, you could still remember the the buttons and stuff. You hit the down arrow on the right hand side of the controller. That's how you got weapons. That's how you did an Irish whip. That's how you ran. So, yeah, man, it, keeping it simple definitely helped these games too. Because we had a lot of friends that weren't into video games, and man, they loved these games. So, it tells you really all you need to know. And do you remember the spirit meter, something that hadn't been done before and hasn't been done since instead of the, uh, you know, instead of the health bar, you just had a spirit slash momentum meter that kind of guided your way through the match. Yeah. I I still, to this day, think this is the best way to do these games because it's more like true to life, you know? Um, And I mean, you either had to taunt a ton or do a ton of moves to get that spirit meter high enough to do your finisher. And then, um, getting your finisher like that was only the start of it like you had to taunt to get to your finisher like it would blink all the way green and then you'd are ha- all the way red and then you'd have to uh taunt again so if you pick somebody with a long taunt <laughs> probably not getting it off you had to get really strategic man on your wrestler selection and when you were going to bust that out because yeah if you had somebody like the giant with that super drawn out slow motion choke slam taunt you're opening yourself up to you know hit a get hit with a low blow or some sort of move to to just break your momentum and then you kind of had those toxic strategies you know you had to wait till your opponent was down to do it because if they were up and standing you know they would just run out of the ring and just run around until like your spirit meter ran back down to normal like did, did you ever pull that one on your friends jordan oh 100 percent. or like if you get right behind like the um the ring post or whatever it's hard for like you to see where everyone is and then take <laughs> off when they get out of the ring <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah man or did you ever pull the uh you know if you're struggling in a match just leave out of the ring and just start taunting like crazy to build that special up oh 100 percent, dude you it wasn't cheating you had to do anything you could to win one of those games it got to the point with so for the my big gang that I would play with on this on this these games was my little brother Tad and then our two good friends Dustin and RC and we would set ground rules sometimes man we would be like hey no just running out of the ring and taunting like that was just grounds for immediate disqualification you know and you get you lose your N64 controller for 20 minutes or whatever um that's how annoying that was man the people that would just run out of the ring and taunt like crazy to to get their special get their special built up but just a ton of great memories on these games um let's talk a little bit about the competing series during this time jordan do you get any fond memories from the acclaim wwe games that were um kind of the main competitor for these thq games no not really man i mean they just were there i mean they weren't anything great um I definitely would never go back and play them. Wasn't one of them Warzone? Like, I don't know, man. Yeah, they had. So I I enjoyed the Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo generation of wrestling games. There was Royal Rumble and um, Monday Night Raw and Super WrestleMania. Those were all pretty fun and really good for the 16-bit era. But yeah, the games that came out 
um, on the PlayStation and N64, Warzone and Attitude. The you know they were cool because they had all the WWE wrestlers at the you know at the height of the Attitude Era and stuff. But the controls just sucked, man. You know, Acclaim's known for for Mortal Kombat. They're big in the arcade fighting games, and they basically just took that same um, control scheme and just put it on a wrestling game and stuff. Which it's cool for Mortal Kombat. You know, those really competitive um, fighting games and stuff. You want to have kind of like a complex control scheme. That's kind of part of the deal. You know, that you got to pull off these really intricate button combos to do your special moves and, and stuff. Um, but for wrestling games, we just want to pick it up and you know body slam people and hit some Stone Cold stunners and some sweet chin music and it just sucked man and especially it sucked in general and especially compared to this product that was going down on the n64 yeah 100 percent. there was there wasn't really a lot to enjoy about these games so that's why i just i don't have a lot of fond memories of them i mean we played them because that's all we had at the time so but that's about all the positive feedback i can give on those games what was your system of choice during these uh during the late 90s jordan uh, Nintendo 64, 100%. Um, they, yeah, they, had, they had all the good games, like they had Donkey Kong, Mario Kart, GoldenEye. Um, I played 1080 snowboarding a lot. Obviously, oh, yeah. Obviously, all the rest. Wave of Race. Yep. Yeah, Wave Ra- Wave Runner. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Those games were all great, man. Th- this system really was ahead of its time, I think. I think if they re-released this now with today's graphics, I think people would snatch it up. Hell yeah. The uh so I had I had a PlayStation and an N64. Um you guys know I've always been a hardcore sports gamer, so I really had the PlayStation for NCAA football and for Madden just because that PlayStation controller was really just way superior to the N64 controller for those games. Mm-hmm. But my heart was with the N64, man. Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time is still my all-time favorite video game. There's all the awesome games Jordan already mentioned. You had NFL Blitz. And the thing we haven't talked about yet, man, I think the real game changer for the N64, which made it so much just pure, unadulterated fun, was the four controller ports on the system. Um, prior to that, even on the PlayStation, which was released at the same time, on Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo, you had to get a multi-tap um, accessory, which basically plugged into your one to one controller port and expanded it to where you could have up to four players, where the N64, just out of the box, you could plug four controllers into it. And that was just a true game changer because it allowed game developers to really get go deep under these multiplayer modes. You know, before that, it was really, really limited on how many games had a fun multiplayer mode for more than two players just because why go through the trouble of developing it if you know there's only going to be a very small segment of the audience that's even got the you know the accessories and stuff to even even participate in this kind of gameplay mode but i just remember playing four players on this mario kart goldeneye and it was just so much damn fun yeah because those those ports you had to use for sega and playstation would eventually wear out or somebody's controller would like short out during the game and then then you'd have a fight <laughs> you on your somebody, hands and then all of a sudden the TV somebody broke. that shows up uh you have somebody that shows up with the mad cats controller instead of like the official uh oh, the yeah. official system <laughs> yeah and then all of a sudden the tv's broke and then all of a sudden you're fighting in the basement it just becomes a whole thing so just play the n64 yeah, definitely, man. So, yeah, N64 was fun. Did you have just the regular, like, dark gray one, or did you have one of the special edition N64s, Jordan? So I got the the first release with the gray one, and then I think shortly after that, like, me and my sister both wanted to have one, so I think I got the green one. 
Nice. Yeah, I had I had the PlayStation first, man. I got the N64 whenever I started seeing the commercials for Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. And I was like, okay, I got to have the, I got to play this game. And so I got the clear purple one. That was like the brand new one that had just come out um, when I was kind of hitting my getting into the N64. Um, let's hit the beverage break and then we will get into these individual games. Are you gonna be? Say that you're gonna be. So Kanye West kind of just organically became the uh, official soundtrack for the beverage break on the Pod Warrior. So we're hitting you guys with slow jams, the uh, you know the OG Kanye single. Jordan, what are you sipping on tonight, man? So appropriate for the night, I am sipping on Zombie Mania. It is a uh, triple hazy IPA. It's got a really cool picture on the front of it. It's basically got Ultimate Warrior's body, and it's got the LOD shoulder pads on it, and Hogan ripping his shirt off. Really cool beer. Uh, it's out of San Marcos, California. So, yeah, man, it's a it's a good beer, but it's ten point five. So, one too many of these, and you're cooked for the night. Yeah, you may be. Uh, you're in like WCW NWO Revenge Battle Royal mode right now, man. You might not make it to the end. <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm keeping it basic right now. I'm sipping on a Miller Lite, but I have been drinking since about two o'clock this afternoon. I got a cooler of beer behind me. I'll keep you guys updated as I start popping the top on some other stuff. Uh, let's get into WCW NWO World Tour. Um, before we talk about that, Jordan, do you remember the true original game of this series? I do. So for PlayStation WCW versus the World, I I remember this game. It was not good, but I do remember it. Yeah, it was. Now, the gameplay was still there, man. It was mm-hmm. still the same gameplay as these ones. So this is like the most bare bones possible version of this game. The only real mode was like a gauntlet mode where you wrestled through a series of wrestlers. Um, but I just remember it had Crow Sting on it. It was the first video game that had Crow Sting. So it was a must have for me. And I remember getting it and just kind of being perplexed because there was a ton, a ton of generic Japanese wrestlers on the game. They pretty much make up the bulk of the roster. So it was just really confusing to, you know, 12 year old Seth as he's playing through this game, but it had crow sting. So I had to have it anyways. Yeah. hundred percent. It was cool just to have those people on that game, but outside of that, there wasn't much to it. The menu was generic. There was, there was nothing to it at all. All right. So WCW NWO world tour was released November 30th, 1997 it was the american counterpart to virtual pro wrestling 64 a hit game in japan this was actually the second biggest selling n64 game of two of 1997 man um i I think a lot of that has to do with the release date think about this november 30th 1997 that means it was releasing less than a month before starcade 97 the biggest pay-per-view in wcw history with sting and hulk hogan going head to head so wcw could not have been any more red hot when this game released yeah, and uh, fact about this, it actually had to get a re-release in February on February twelfth of nineteen ninety eight because it had sold so well the first three months, so they had to re-release it. Yeah, the supply was so was so dry on this game um, from how everybody trying to get it before Christmas that they went through a full fledged second release with like a hundred, you know, the same promotional campaign that went into it in November went back into it in February um, just to hype it up. And WCW was just absolutely on fire at this time, and this game was right there along the ride, uh, just you know going along with the wave. Uh, the gameplay modes were single, 
tag team, handicap, battle royal, and a WCW versus NWO tournament, which was really like a glorified gauntlet mode. Um, that's really the crazy thing to think about. You know, nowadays you're playing like my player or universe mode where you get this really immersive season mode. We had so much fun on these games and there was really no replay value other than just setting up matches and doing it. Yeah. Uh, this is when we were like more creative with our time too. You got to remember that. I mean, now everybody wants everything just like built up for them. Like, dude, we had to, we had to do this on our own. There was no like build a pay-per-view, anything like that. Like we were literally just doing one-off matches every time. So I, I like that because I mean, at the time we didn't know any better anyway. So obviously now it would be a problem, but yeah, at that time we didn't know any better. So yeah, we'd have to just make shit up. Like, I remember me and my brother would pick, like, you know, two of the weaker wrestlers on the roster and just start a battle royal with the agreement that we wouldn't go after each other and we would just try to survive till the end working together. You know, like, that's the kind of shit you'd have to do for fun on these games because the game boats just were not there. But it's a testament to how good the gameplay was because these games are still that beloved. Uh, just to elaborate, there was no creative player, no story mode, no entrances. And here's the funny thing, man. This is something that I do not remember until I had to look up some screenshots of it. There were no belts, man. I could have swore there were belts in this game, but when you got to the end of the gauntlet modes and stuff, you just got a trophy and your player would just hold up a trophy above his head instead of a belt. Yeah, I do not remember that either. Like that blows my mind still that there was no belts on this game. The only thing I can think is that's like a nod to the you know because this is really a japanese game right this is basically a japanese game that was just reskinned with american wrestlers for you know and wcw branded graphics and stuff um i can just think it's maybe a nod to the japanese scene where tournaments are so so important and they were like yeah we'll just do trophies after they win and who gives a shit you know whereas in america it's all about the belt yeah 100 percent. i mean it is cool to look back and think about that but yeah it's just so weird for a wrestling game not to have a belt do you remember the unlockable characters, Jordan? I do remember these. So you had uh, Macho, uh, Wrath. For the NWO, for the new, Mon- new 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 World Order. You had Wrath for DOA, and then you had Glacier. for That was for the International Wing, and then you had DDP yep. for WCW. Yeah, pretty crazy they've had Macho Man as an unlockable, man. That seems almost criminal. You know, Macho, when I think like mid-90s WCW, Macho Man's one of the first names that come up right after Hulk and sting so it's pretty crazy they made him an unlockable but pretty funny you know you got macho and ddp these two first ballot hall of famers and then you know these mortal Kombat rejects <laughs> with glacier and uh and wrath you know yeah it, it's it's crazy to think that you had to unlock ddp and macho man of all people like it is what it is and, i mean still a great game and if you manage to play through the wcw nwo iou and doa gauntlet you unlocked the whole world wrestling gauntlet and the the uh, mega boss on that was Joe Bruiser and Muhammad Ali clone. So all I can think is maybe there was like a big Mike Tyson's punch out fan on the development team. And they're like, yeah, we need a big bad boxer to be the final boss on this game. Wasn't there a chick too? I'm pretty sure I don't there was a there chick, being a chick yeah, on uh, this one. Yeah, Black Widow. I'm I'm nearly positive on oh, this. Oh, yeah, you're right. Black Widow was an unlockable one. I think she was on the uh I think she was like the underboss and then Joe Bruiser was the last one you fought. Yeah, and she was uh supposed to be Manami Toyota is what her name is in actual wrestling, so What's your all-time favorite Manami Toyota match? It would probably have to be a match on uh WCW NWO World Tour. 
<laughs> All right. The other cool thing on this, another nod to the Japanese development was the way you got foreign objects. Jordan, explain to the listeners how you had to retrieve your foreign objects on this game. This to me was the most unique part of this game. So rather than do the normal get the foreign object under the ring, you had to reach into the crowd and they would hand you something back. You, I mean, you'd never know what you were getting. It's not like you could do a wheel and pick what you wanted. Like, you were getting whatever they were giving you. And to me, that was one of the coolest things of this. It was like uh, Japanese style wrestling. Like you're grabbing your weapon from the crowd. It was awesome. Yeah, it was just like FMW, like an Onita match. You know, that was just like a Japanese thing where the fans hand you the foreign objects and stuff. So pretty cool little touch. And that actually lasted all through the rest of the series. I think it just became such a hit that it was just a staple of these games. Um, I do got a bone to pick with the roster. So we only have 20 WCW wrestlers, and then the rest of the roster is padded out with some of those generic international stars like we talked about um, on WCW versus the world on PlayStation. One of the 20 spots was given to the freaking NWO Sting, the fake Sting. (laughs) Like, Jordan, defend this roster decision. 25 years later. I mean, I can't still 25 years later. It it just makes no sense at all why they do this. I mean, I get the like gist of having NWO sting, but dude, this was like the most pointless character at this time. So yeah, I, I don't get that one. Yeah. The only thing I can think is it was just a way to get one more WCW wrestler on the roster. And it was super easy for them to do. Cause I got to imagine they used most of like the same graphical resources they used with sting. And they probably just had to change some of the text on a file to create a new wrestler on there. So that's what I'm thinking. Cause storage space and stuff was always an issue on these cartridge based games. Um, did you have any of the other generic international wrestlers that were favorites of yours, Jordan? So I loved powder keg. That was like my one of my favorite people to use on this game. And he was actually modeled after Terry Gordy. So kind of a cool thing. I mean, I obviously didn't know that at that time. But yeah, you had uh, Shaolin was... Or no, not Shaolin. Yeah, Shaolin was Hayabusa. I mean, they had yeah. cool wrestlers. Japanese legend. Him. Yeah, they had you great had wrestlers. AKI man who was uh, Mitsuhara Masawa. Well, AKI man's not till the next game, buddy. You're a game early. Mm, I jumped the gun, man. Well, they, you know, the international stars all kind of run together. Anyway, so Yikes. Cut me some slack. We'll go ahead and make it a, uh, a smooth segue then into WCW versus NWO Revenge. So this game was released October 16th, 1998. This was the best selling wrestling game on the N64. And this was the number one third party game on the N64. So think about, you know, me and Jordan already, you know, had the love fest for Nintendo 64 earlier on. Think about all the incredible games that came out for this system over the years. This was the number one third-party game. So aside from the stuff that Nintendo was making, like, you know, your Mario's, Mario Kart, Zelda, stuff like that, this was the number one game. That just lets you know how beloved this game was. This is my, you know, spoiler alert, this is my favorite of the four we're going to talk about tonight. And... It was just incredible, man. I just, I love this game so much. I played, we play this one a ton. When I think about like playing video games as a kid, one of the first things that flashes in my mind is playing four players on WCW NWO Revenge. Oh, 100%. Um, this is by far my favorite. This is still my favorite wrestling game to this day. Um, not even just on this list. This is my favorite wrestling game to the day. Um, just because, dude, there, we had so many memories with this game and, Recreating childhood memories is just basically impossible with today's games. Um, Yeah, this game is just, this is the tippy top of wrestling games for me. 
Yeah, something about just the bright color. Even though the the next two games we're going to talk about were definitely more advanced games, right? Like from an objective standpoint, you can't say this game was better than the two coming after it. But I just love this game. Something about the bright, you know, it's brighter, right? Like WCW just was just a little bit more colorful than WWF was during the Attitude Era. Maybe it's the sets, the character selection. And I think it was really just the time, you know. This came out in 1998. I was still a kid at this time, yeah. you know, not that I was, wasn't a kid when the next two games came out, but I feel like a lot changed for me. You know, I was in high school when the next two games came out. So I'm a little bit more interested in, you know, chasing girls and doing other stuff that teenagers do. Whereas this game came out, there was still nothing better to me than, you know, having a 12 pack of Mountain Dew in the fridge, getting some pizza, you know, delivered from somewhere and just having my buddies over and playing video games all night. Yeah, it's that that's just an all-time experience that you can't replicate again. I mean, you could try, but it just it's it's not going to work. I'll give Seth a little break from talking here and I'll go through um some of the arenas and the titles that were on this game. So, you had WCW Nitro, you had WCW Starcade, Halloween Havoc, Bash at the Beach, Sold Out and Super Brawl 8. For titles, you had the WCW World Heavyweight Title. WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. You had the World Television Championship. You had the World Cruiserweight Championship. And you had the World Tag Titles. So they put a lot of titles into this game, which is crazy considering this came out only a year after the last game we talked about. So they definitely corrected some things. And um, yeah, man, it it shows in this game. Like the roster is so much better on this game. So yeah, this this is the top for the games to me. Dude, one thing that just blew my mind when I was going back and doing the research for this episode that I just, it just does not compute in my brain, man, is that there were no entrance themes on this game. I could have swore there were actual entrance themes for every superstar, but, but no, there's only, there's like three or four just generic themes that, uh, you know, they rotate through depending on the character. I, I actually had to fire up my N64 and turn this on to just confirm that because I could not believe it. I could have swore I remember hearing like the NWO theme and like Goldberg's theme on this game. I think we were just like playing it off of our computer or like another TV or something. <laughs> I think that's what you're remembering. <laughs> yeah. What was uh, who was your favorite characters to be, man? Dude, I always had a soft spot for NWO Red. And, dude, if you look at the five guys that were in NWO Red on this game, you had Nash, Sting, Luger, Macho Man, and Conan. I used uh, Kevin Nash a ton on this game. Like, probably one of my favorite characters in any wrestling game just because I loved NWO Red so much. I mean, dude, Wolfpack is it, it, that's one, easily one of my favorite factions. So I always use an NWO Red. So I remember one of the first things I checked when I got this game and I got it the day it came out, make no mistake about it. I remember one of the first things I checked was Kevin Nash because the year before he just had the generic powerbomb, right? His powerbomb looked the same as like Dean Malenko's powerbomb and like Chris Benoit's powerbomb. Basically, you know, he just had generic powerbomb number two for his finisher. This year they gave him the true Kevin Nash jackknife. Like he, he did his little taunt beforehand and then it was no mistakes. You know, Kevin Nash had his own little swag when he did the jackknife and it was on there. And I like, when I saw that, I think I was just immediately hooked like okay this game is on some real shit this year <laughs> um for me it was all about i love scott hall just because i was such a huge razor ramon mark so i used him a lot I, I felt like kevin nash was a little too slow i did like you know i was i was huge into hall and nash this time but i feel like nash was just a little bit too um 
little bit too cumbersome moving around the ring. So I like Scott Hall, and then I loved Goldberg. Even though Goldberg wasn't really his like fully powered self on this, he was still kind of on the come up when this game was in development. Um, I like using him just because the spear and the jackhammer were so much fun to do on this game. Rick Steiner was awesome to use on this game just because his taunt is him uh, on the ground lifting his leg like a dog. So using <laughs> yeah, him was pretty that. awesome. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, like I said, I, we need to test it out, dude. Maybe next time when you come uh, to the uh, the Redneck Riviera here in Tennessee, man, maybe we could fire it up and we'll get Sheena and maybe Brett will be mature enough at that time. We can get him on there too and get some four-player action going just to see if it still holds up. Because for me, four-player Battle Royal on WCW NWO Revenge is like absolute video game nirvana. I just think it's funny, like looking back on it, that you could only do the battle royals in groups of four so like the least you could do is 28 so it, it's just wild thinking back to it and you could go all the way up to 40 but yeah man i i just remember having to do um that mode where the royal rumble mode and you had to beat 31 other people and it was like <laughs> by, by about 15 you're like oh, don't think i'm making it through this one yeah, your spirit meter, it's almost impossible to get it off that just little like North Carolina blue blip that's like barely beeping and stuff. You know, you're basically on life support trying to keep it going. But but yeah, that was always so fun. And it was cool when you'd play with like people who didn't really know what the hell they were doing because they would pick somebody like Kevin Nash or Sting at the start of the Battle Royale. It's like, no, this is not how this works, dude. Your first like character is definitely a throwaway. You know what I mean? You're going with like Juventud Guerrera or or La Parca, you know, somebody like that for, for your first character. Cause you do not want to mess around. Uh, Cause you know, that guy's getting tossed out. You know, you, you just pick some throwaway for the first character and then just roll the dice and hope you get somebody good coming out after you get eliminated the first time. Yeah. You have no chance of making it from the first group of four to the end. Like there, there's no chance you'll be lucky to make it to 20. We used to do, like to set up the battle Royal with the custom rules where it wasn't ring out. It was just straight up knockouts. You remember how you could do that? Yeah. And don't you remember, you only had to knock them through the middle rope to get them out on this game. And it continued with the WWF games, which is crazy. Yeah, it was not Royal Rumble rules. You could knock them through the middle ropes. But I remember playing the knockout mode. The the knockout was always so dramatic and pitiful. You know, you'd hit somebody with like a power bomb or a scorpion death drop. And once they were knocked out and eliminated, they would they'd be laid out and they would set up and kind of do this little vibrating gimmick for a second and then just die. You know, they would just (laughs) fall out. and, And that was it. Yeah, it, great game mode, but yeah, man, this game, like we talked about, just there's a lot of memories here for both of us, and yeah, th- this one was uh, this one was an easy one to talk about for sure. Let's move on to WWF. So we talked about it a little bit before. Um, WWF at this time was under the license with Acclaim, which had been a really fruitful relationship up until the 32-bit era, and. The games, I, I, you know, the games sold well enough. They weren't like commercial failures, but critically, they were just lagging far behind WCW. And by the time that, you know, we get to late 98, when the THQ and AKI deal ran out with WCW, WWF had surpassed them in the ratings and was really just pulling away, you know, faster and faster as the weeks went by. But the one part that WCW was still winning on was video games. Obviously, you know Vince McMahon. He wants to be the best at everything. So as soon as their deal expired, they went on and latched on to THQ and AKI. And 
we basically got the same game just with WWF graphics, right? They put a WWF coat of paint on top of WCW and WO Revenge, threw some new uh, modes on there, specifically the creative player, and WrestleMania 2000 was born. Um, what's some of your key memories from from this game, Jordan? Yeah, this is a fun game. Um, I, the th- one thing that always sticks out to me about this game is uh, the taunts on this game. Like Stone Cold did the straight-up middle finger at his opponent. And the other one I always remember is Mr. Ass actually mooned the opponent on this game. Like, <laughs> I don't know, like, first, and I never used Mr. Ass, but for some reason I just remember that. Like, it's just, that that's just one of the things. Because, I mean, at this time we're 15 years old, so we're still immature 15-year-olds. And it's like, holy crap, they actually put yeah. that on here. THQ and AKI, they were feeling themselves going over to the, you know, the TV 14 WWF as opposed to WCW, which was still PG at the time. Oh, for sure. But yeah, th- this game's a lot of fun. Um, there was some things wrong with it, but being able to create a wrestler, I just remember how iconic that was. Like, first thing I did was put Goldberg on it. And yeah, I- the creative player mode was crazy. We had had creator wrestler modes before this, but they were really limited on what you could do visually. And then you always had to pick just a complete existing moveset. This allowed you to do everything. Like I remember the first thing I did when I got this game, again, this is at the height of ECW also. We got this game. We went to the Walmart in Beaverdam, Kentucky. We were there at midnight on release day. So, you know, Walmart was like the only 24-hour spot back in the day. So as soon as it hit midnight on release day, we got the guy to, you know, unlock it from the glass case and hook us up raced back home and we spent like an hour and a half me and my uncle josh we spent like an hour and a half making taz um you know taz was the human suplex machine which always confused me man so they called him the human suplex machine right that implies that there's like a non-human suplex machine like what's the deal with that maybe there's a robot that's the suplex machine i don't know man yeah, i just like I, am, am i thinking too am i thinking too much into this i i think you're digging too hard into it dude they just had to make it known <laughs> that he, he actually is human and he's not a genetic freak <laughs> <laughs> but regardless we're going on we're, we're making his whole moveset complicit consisted of suplex on top of suplex on top of suplex you know we're hitting shit i've never even heard of before you know northern light suplex t-bone suplex like you know the freaking great lake suplex shit that we've never even heard of but was on the menus and stuff we threw on there and it was just so much fun and so crazy um the other cool thing that thq hooked us up with was that they left all of the move sets and taunts from WCW NWO Revenge in the game. So it was very easy to make Hollywood Hogan, Bret Hart, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Sting, and get them in your games. And I remember going to these crappy like GeoCities websites and they would have the recipe for all these different creative players on there. So, you know, you could just, you could print those out on your crappy bitmap printer and then go and sit in front of your N64 and <laughs> you wouldn't have to do any thinking. You could just go through the menu and put all these selections in and, and get your, uh, get your characters. Can you imagine like, I mean, when this happened, like I, I don't think Vince was too into the video game world and maybe he still isn't, but can you imagine how pissed off he would have been if like they would have told him, Hey, we left all this stuff in here from WCW. So that way the kids can put WCW wrestlers on this game. Like there's just something that tells me he'd be like, what are you shitting me? This is my game. Yeah, nowadays it'd be Lawsuit City, man. Like, they would never even kind of broach that stuff. Like, every once in a while on WWE 2K series, they'll leave some moves in. But for the most part, they clean that shit up, man. And once somebody's at the game, like, they erase all traces of them. 
Um, you had your Royal Rumble mode, which was basically Battle Royal mode, just renamed Royal Rumble, and then King of the Ring mode, which was standard tournaments. There was a story mode on this game, but there w- it was non-branching. So whether you won or lost didn't matter. Time just kept marching on, but you still had a little bit of story as opposed to just a straight-up gauntlet mode. And then there was create a pay-per-view mode. That was really hyped up. I didn't mess with that one too much, man. I guess I just can't really see the vision behind it. It was similar to like universe mode nowadays, but it was only for single shows. There wasn't like any, you really couldn't build on it unless you just kind of did it in your own head and, you know, kept notes and stuff. Um, did you mess with the creative pay-per-view much, Jordan? Oh yeah, I did. So I basically had everybody work in three matches a night. Cause I was doing like four Royal Rumbles every show. <laughs> I'm like killing dude, the talent. Yeah, dude, the talent's just dead. Like if it was an actual universe, they'd be like talent all dead. <laughs> yeah man um the other cool thing was it had you had two new match modes you had cage matches and first blood matches which were both really really neat the first blood match you basically had to like hope the fans gave you a nine millimeter and you could just shoot your <laughs> opponent in the face to win it was damn near impossible yeah when you got when you had to do one of those matches it was like well you're gonna be here for a while like you could hit him with a chair like 50 times nothing yeah, it was, uh, you know, it, it was stiff, man. There was no blading going on. These guys were getting busted open hard way. Yeah, nobody's, we're not getting any Hogan blade jobs in this game. <laughs> so we criticized NWO Sting being included on WCW NWO World Tour. Uh, you know, we're going to be equal opportunists here and throw some throw some shade in WWF's direction. The Godfather's Ho was a playable character on this game. <laughs> Yeah, I remember unlocking the hoe, but I don't ever remember using the hoe for anything other than a valet. Wow. Well, uh, you know, we'll just leave that quote on its own there, man. All right, relax. <laughs> There's nothing <laughs> wrong with what I said. Just relax. You said you remember unlocking the hoe, but you just didn't use the hoe. <laughs> <laughs> Do you got any closing thoughts on uh, WrestleMania 2000 before we move on to No Mercy? No, man, it, it was another fun game. It, it was lacking behind uh, WCW NWO Revenge, but yeah, it's still a great game. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll move on to No Mercy here. I think it was just, dude, honestly, it sounds super simple, man. I think it was just the roster and like the color scheme. You know, we use the term toyetic for action figures and stuff that just make for better figures regardless of how good the wrestler was. I feel like WCW was just more like, video game edit if i can like make up a word here you know like it was just the pay-per-view sets were brighter the wrestlers were kind of more just colorful and really kind of just more goofy and i think it just made it more fun you know yeah dude anything that house has a halloween havoc entrance automatically is going to be bumped up at least three points yeah the halloween havoc and the bash the beach sets were just they were just beautiful, man. They just got you. They, you were just ready to have some fun playing games when you saw your wrestlers coming out of those uh, those entrance stages. Let's move on to the last game. We're going to talk about No Mercy. This was released on November thirteenth, two thousand. This is, you know, it's widely renowned now as the greatest wrestling game of all time. This was the pinnacle of the THQ AKI games. It's the last one that they did on N sixty four. It was, you know, the final form of the evolution across these games. But at the time, it didn't get quite as much love as I think it deserved. And I think that's because of the release date. You know, this game was released again, November 13th, 2000. That was basically one month after the PS2. So the N64 is already kind of in the rear view. You know, it's no longer the most advanced system. The PS2 was the new hotness. It had these incredible games. PlayStation 2 is arguably the greatest video game system of all time. Um, 
there were just so many just classic games that came out on that. And video games really just took a massive step forward. You know, nowadays, like the difference between, you know, the Xbox one and, you know, the Xbox series X, all that stuff, it's kind of minimal, right? Like sometimes you kind of got to squint hard to see the difference. The, the difference from PS2 uh, between the PlayStation one and the N64 was dramatic. I mean, am I right on this, Jordan? hundred percent. Yeah. The graphics were just crazy. The ability, the gameplay was, was just way more advanced. So I feel like there was kind of like a little dark period, like that last six months or so um, after the PlayStation 2 release. Like there were a lot of, there were still a lot of big games coming out on PlayStation 1 and N64 and Sega Dreamcast, but they kind of got overshadowed a little bit. But regardless, this game was the pinnacle of this series of, uh, of games. It was, um, they had ladder matches. That was the big new match mode that came on. But the big thing was the story mode with the branching storylines. And this story mode still holds up to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, you could pick a wrestler, pick which title you want to go after. And that determined how like the first big chunk of your your story mode was going to go. And this was the first time that whether you won or lost, it really mattered. You know, but like we said on on WrestleMania 2000, you time kept marching forward no matter what. This one actually had branching storylines depending on the results of your matches. Um, do you remember playing this story mode much, Jordan? Oh, yeah. Dude, I played this. I think I used probably at least 10 wrestlers on this story mode. Um, I did it a couple different times, mainly because you could unlock people. So um, that's what I was always after was unlocking the characters and stuff because, I mean, that's what games are all about. But, yeah, this, this was a fun game. Um yeah, I have a lot of good memories of this game. Another funny quirk on it. If you get into the story mode nowadays, you're going to be like, why the fuck is Stevie <laughs> Richards so featured on this, man? Like Stevie Richards is like kind of like your main like antagonist for like the first half of your story modes. He's always interfering in your matches, getting in on handicap matches with your main rival against you. The reason for that is because this was originally going to be Big Show, right? Uh, the story mode was written for Big Show to kind of be the main guy fucking with you and stuff, which made sense for where he was at on the card at the time. But about four or five months before the game released, Big Show actually got demoted to Ohio Valley Wrestling because he was having so many issues keeping his weight in check and just staying in solid ring shape. And in my mind, I'm thinking WWF just told THQ AKI, get rid of Big Show. And when they asked, like, who do you want to put in their place? Like, you know, I'm I'm just going to assume it was Vince. He was like, fuck it, whoever you want, pal. And there was some huge, like, Stevie Richards, Blue World Order mark at THQ that just thought he was going to be the future of the business. I mean, what other explanation is there for Stevie Richards being so heavily featured in this story mode, Jordan? There, There is no other reason. And the fact that they actually did it is absolutely ridiculous. Like, it, it literally makes no sense to this day. Um, there was plenty of people on the roster. They could have picked anyone else other than Steven Richards. Yeah, it was pretty weak. Um, we talked about our favorites on the WCW games. Who was your favorite across the two WWF games to use? Probably S.A. Rios. No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> probably, uh, no. Uh, I didn't realize you were such a Los Bariquas, Mark. <laughs> uh, Stone Cold was always my favorite at this time, so that's probably who I used the most. But I also loved using Eddie Guerrero a lot. Yeah, the frog splash hit hit hard. I liked the stunner was cool. My favorite move to do with Stone Cold was the Thez press, man. The Thez right. press was always badass to do on uh, on these games. I was, you know, this is sacrilegious for me to say. I was big on using Shawn Michaels on this, man, just because he was fast. Sweet Chin Music just freaking slapped on this. Um, and so, yeah, HBK was kind of my guy across the two, the two WWF games. And he had the DXD music. You know, the DXD music always went hard. 
Yeah, hundred percent. That's a, that's a good choice. The crappy thing is you had to unlock Shawn Michaels on both games, which is yeah unreal. I don't, I don't get it, but whatever. Um, so let's kind of talk legacy, man. The it's these games were so great for us wrestling gamers, but they've really kind of been a curse on modern wrestling game developers because these are the games everybody's immediately comparing them to. Um, Jordan, what do you think? like the modern developers could do to, to have to, to stop chasing the ghost of these games on N64. I mean, outside of re-releasing them with today's graphics, I don't really know what you can do. Um, these games were just, it was just so natural. Like we we've talked about this um, at this time, video games weren't like the most widely accepted thing. Um, so, and we've even talked about, the advertisements for these were, were were non-existent. Like these games just came out. Like if you were if you were a fan like us, obviously you knew they were coming out. But I mean, a lot of people didn't even know these games released. So I don't know, man. It, the, I just feel like there's no. I don't feel like you can get that feeling back organically. Uh, if that makes sense, it's just I don't know, man. Th- this was just a special three year run, and I just I don't see a way you can get it back, honestly. Yeah, I'm not sure it would even work if, you know, the thing you hear a lot is let's just take this gameplay and put the modern like HD 4K graphics on it. I don't even know if that would work, man. I feel like there would be a small chunk of of people like us, the people that came up with these games that would really dig it. But I feel like modern gamers would just be like, what the hell, you know, because the games, as much as we love them, they weren't really a true representation of wrestling. They were wrestling in a fun video game package. Whereas nowadays, the games coming out like WWE 2K, they're trying to let you do every single thing the real wrestlers do, you know, like collar and elbow tie ups, um, you know, laying people on the table and then doing springboard moves off the ropes onto them. There's just so much shit that you can do in the modern games that you couldn't do on these. But it didn't matter to us back in the day, right? No, we dude, we didn't care about that stuff. All we cared about is they put out a kick-ass wrestling game. You could burn an entire day with your friends playing this game in your basement. Dude, kids just, I, I don't know, man. Kids stay inside more than ever today. I just don't feel like they would appreciate it, man. They need to be able to, like, see your wrestler's face clear. Like, when we played these these games, like, especially the football games, like, Everybody had the same face. Like nobody was different. So yeah. Now like you can see Tom Brady's face when he pulls his helmet off. Like, dude, I just I don't think kids would appreciate this game even if it had today's graphics. Yeah, sadly, I think you're right, man. I don't know what they could really do. And I will say, like, objectively, to me, WWE 2K19, that's my all-time favorite wrestling game. Like, the stuff you could do on there is crazy. Um, it's it's the best, but it just it still doesn't hit that sentimental feel spot. It doesn't it ne- even though there's so much cool stuff you can do on there, right? It'll keep you occupied. The fun factor is never as high as it was on the N64. Yeah, the problem also, too, is, I mean, we're 20 years older at this point, so it sitting down and playing a video game for 15 hours sounds really good in theory, but absolutely impossible with kids, life. Like, there, there's no way we could ever do it again. Yeah, so. there's shit you got to do around the house, like, you know, doing the dishes, like, just different shit, man. Like, if you play the game, if you sit down for 15 hours playing the game, the next day you're going to be fucking strapped, <laughs> taking care of all the real world adult shit you got to do. Yeah, or your wife's going to fucking murder you for playing a game for 15 <laughs> hours, one of the two. All right, let's, you want to get into some listener mail? Yeah, let's do it. 
So we opened up the mail to the premium Foley fan members. We did not limit it to just these games. We said pretty much anything wrestling, video game related. So we're going to start off with uh, Mike Rivera. He says, how about ECW Hardcore Revolution? So this was the game that Acclaim made right after they lost the WWF license. You know, WCW went to EA and Acclaim snapped up ECW. Now it's crazy because ECW is like at the height of their powers when this game dropped, but it was straight dog shit i actually had this game on sega dreamcast of all things um and i think i played it for maybe like 25 minutes and i was like fuck this and just turn it off and never to be touched again yeah the roster made it look like we were actually going to get something here and i was excited because i mean it was the same game system as the four games we just talked about my god it was not it was not that at all it was fucking horrible it was it's basically like they took that game system and put it back into an original Nintendo game and then they shit this out. Yeah, it was it was horrible and it was everybody was really excited for it at the time because like I said ECW was red hot and for like 90% of the roster this was the first time you were seeing these guys in video game form. I do love one thing about this game though. They actually had jobbers on this game. That like that that to me is a good addition. Yeah, that was a nice touch. All right, let's move on to David Brooks. He says, how many times did you hit your opponent with a Singapore cane to hear Tony Schiavone go wild on WCW Backstage Assault? So this was a game, like I said, I think this was like a a, a budget decision. EA Sports got the WCW license, and the first game they released had no in-ring action. It was only backstage areas, man. It was just like a straight-up fighting game with WCW wrestlers and Again, it was it was worse than ECW Hardcore Revolution. Yeah, this game is not good. It I remember playing it. I never bought it, but uh, back when we could uh, rent video games from a video store, I know that's a unreal concept to some people now. But I rented it, and I just remember playing it for like five minutes. I was like, "Well, that, that was a poor choice of five dollars." Yeah, WCW was already circling the drain at the time this game came out. Um, Tony Giovanni's talked about it on his podcast, though. He said that EA deal paid you know him and the boys a lot of money. Tony did the voice. Tony was the main announcer, you know, like David Brooks talked about. He said that everybody got a solid check from EA for the the development of the game. So that's cool, even though the game actually ended up sucking. Um, our good friend in Canada, Eric Blondin, says, "What did you guys think of AKI Man?" Fucking awesome, dude! Like, what's there not to like about this dude? It was it was a cool character, based off a real wrestler. I don't remember who it was based off now, but Mitsuharu Masawa, oh, yeah. one of like the all time Japanese legends from the nineties. Yeah, dude, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I think I enjoyed everything about that game. So, I mean, there was nothing that really turned me off about that game. Yeah, the, his move set slapped. Um, he looked like Max Moon, you know, so he had this full bodysuit gear on. Just just Google image AKI, man. Um, Zachary Hertzer says, are you guys ready for SummerSlam? I'll answer for the both of us. Yes, we are. God, please, please, please do not let Austin Theory walk out with both belts. Um, he says, side note, I will never forget WCW versus NWO World Tour. That was the first N64 game I got when I got my Nintendo 64 as a kid for my birthday. Good times. Also, GoldenEye for the N64 was amazing. Missed those days as a kid playing N64. Yeah, again, we cannot stress this enough. If you got a little bit of extra money uh, laying around, get on eBay, find yourself an N64. They're not too expensive. Get you an N64 with a few controllers and go back and pick up some of these games, man. This system is so, so, so much fun. Yeah, dude, GoldenEye, 
the feeling of getting the golden gun when you're in a four player match is like, I still don't think you can replicate that feeling. Yeah, you were the fucking man, dude. <laughs> Unquestioned. You were you were fucking running shit, dude. You were the head motherfucker in charge. Like it was a wrap. All right, Matt Carlos says he's got a trilogy question. When is the next Chick Foley Rumble? Uh, the Sunday pay per view or the Saturday pay per views have kind of killed that. As great as it is having Saturday pay per views, that used to be the night that we would do the Chick Foley Rumbles. You know, we would do it the Saturday before the Sunday pay per view. Um, because really, think about it, the rest of the week. Thursday is the only night there's no wrestling. You got Raw on Monday, NXT on Tuesday. AW on Wednesday and then SmackDown and Rampage on Friday. So maybe we'll do some Thursday night action sometime, um, but we'll look for an opportunity. It has been a while. We kind of, the dust is finally settled on getting the new house ready. So sometime soon. He says, will it be on 2K22? No, it won't. Even though I love all the crazy stuff we're seeing in 2K22, um, it's just still too glitchy for me, man. And I already have such a an awesome roster and such a good deal built on 2K19. I haven't been motivated to move over. Uh, Jordan, have you messed with 2K22 much? I bought the game like probably two weeks after it came out, got the deluxe edition, was all jacked to play it. I still haven't downloaded it. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Allen says, my 2K22 roster is everyone from these four games. It's insane how good the creator wrestlers are this year. So he didn't really have a question, just a statement. Yeah, I do get envious, man. Like sometimes I'll see some of the really cool stuff you guys are doing in the Facebook group. Those of you that share um, like your universe mode and your creative players and stuff, I get a little itchy, man, and think about moving over. But I always go and kind of look on the forums and stuff on Reddit and people are still complaining about universe mode, which is really where I spend most of my time on 2K. And I invest a lot of time in it. Um, and I just don't want to do that to have to have to deal with crashes and shit all the time. So that's why I uh, it's it's a no for me, dog. Uh, Johnny JB shared this tweet. He says, you've just ordered Pizza Hut. You got a new copy of WWF No Mercy for the N64 and a two-liter Dr. Pepper. No school tomorrow. Your parents don't care if you stay up all night. It's a perfect summer night. Spoiler alert, you're 39 years old in the year's 2022. <laughs> I love this whole scenario he's got laid out, except for the Dr. Pepper, man. Mountain Dew is my nostalgia drink of choice. How about you, Jordan? Uh, code Red Mountain Dew, 100%. Nice. Jordan's best friend, Tony Barker, says, what was your favorite customized character you ever created, and what was their gimmick? So I used my personal name, obviously. I mean, I put a personalized name in every game I buy. So um, I just, I mean, obviously I'm a bigger dude. So I think I either took Kevin Nash's moveset or I think I mixed together Kevin Nash and the Giants moveset. Like, obviously I wasn't a big fast dude or anything, but... I was just all about beating the shit out of everybody. So that was my gimmick. Yeah, I, I was the same. I had Seth the Sniper Phelps and I was a hybrid of HBK and Bret Hart. I pretty much had Bret Hart's moveset, but for the finisher, I had Sweet Chin Music just because it was always a pain in the ass using a, a submission for the finisher. Um, and last question, Chris Foreman says, I wish I could find someone tech savvy who could get the updated ROM of these games on my, onto my computer. Do you guys have the current ROM versions? Um, no, I don't because I have the N64 versions of all these. Um, you know, Jordan's been, uh, you know, my best friend for, you know, going on 12 years now. And one of the, probably the biggest contribution he's made to my life was getting me back into wrestling big time in 2014 when, um, WWE network dropped. I subscribed to it just because I wanted to watch all the old stuff. And Jordan would kind of just keep poking me like, dude, you know, 
watch WrestleMania 30, you know, watch Extreme Rules and stuff as the pay-per-views would come on. So I'd throw them on, kind of have them on like running on my laptop while I'm playing Madden or something. And little by little, I started getting hooked on the new stuff. And before you know it, I was back into wrestling bigger than ever. One thing I've never really shared with everybody, though, the first thing I did when I got back into wrestling, something about that nostalgic itch was getting to me. And I went and got an N64 off of eBay. And then I hit up uh, all the thrift shops and stuff in Hawaii, where I lived at at the time, and picked up these four games that we discussed tonight. That was the first thing I did when I got back into wrestling after a 10-year hiatus. So that's probably the strongest endorsement that I can give to these games, how good they were. You guys know how much I'm into the figures. Before I got back into action figures, the first thing I did was get these N64 wrestling games and fire them up and uh, and start playing them. Uh, what about you, Jordan? Have you messed with like any of the ROMs or emulators or anything? Oh man, that's uh that's way above what I'm capable of doing. So I'm not gonna blow my computer up at home on doing whatever <laughs> whatever that means. I think I'll just pass. <laughs> Do you still have a working N64 at home right now, Jordan? Or no? Oh yeah, dude. I I kept mine from when I was a kid. It was in like storage, and I found it. So I still have the green N64. Nice man. Yeah, I got uh in our, our the new and improved Sharpshooter Studios we got here at the at the new house. Uh, we got a, a you know a thirty two inch Samsung set up, and I have my my Super Nintendo, a NES, a N sixty four, and a PlayStation two hooked up. And no mercy is setting in my N sixty four right now. So um, we want to thank you guys again for listening to this. Make sure you guys give us some feedback. Let us know what topics you want me and Jordan to tackle going forward. I uh, remind you to use code Chick Foley to save 10% at ringsidecollectibles.com and use code PF10 to save 10% at Chalkline, courtesy of the Pod Foundation. Uh, Jordan, hit us with some closing thoughts for this week. Man, this was a, this was a fun episode for, for something that I really wanted to do and I kept bothering Seth about. I really hope everybody enjoys this and um, wants us to maybe do something like this again, but Either way, like Seth said, uh, thanks for the support. Um, keep giving us feedback and let us know what we can do better. And yeah, we'll just keep making them better. Dig it, 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 dig it